Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. Hope you're having a great weekend here, boxing fans. We don't actually have any big fights scheduled this weekend that I can see. There may be some lesser-known fights, smaller fights, possibly regional fights or UK events that I'm not seeing on the docket. I'm not seeing any especially. So I got a couple I'm going to just talk about real quick uh, that I'll just breeze past these, and then I'm going to give some updates about some past fights that happened here. The two that I immediately see, these are both on DAZN, by the way. And if you have DAZN subscription, check it out. I don't think they're on the pay-per-view. I think they're straight up DAZN. 10 rounds of lightweight actions at the College Park in Arlington, Virginia, I believe. Uh, 10 rounds of lightweight. This one I've got my eye on a little bit. Uh, William Zapata fighting Jaime Arboleda. I, I, I have my eye on it because two things. One, these are two young guys. Arboleda's got some losses. Zapata's undefeated, but they're two young guys. Zapata's a southpaw that'll play in the factor. Both are knockout artists. They they try to get you out of there. That's good. Obviously, Zapata has way more experience than Arboleda, but I think it's just when you got two young guys out there going and trying to make a name and, and showcase, I always, I'm always i always interested in those fights. So I think that's worth checking out. And then on the undercard of that one, the one fight I do see is uh, 10 rounds at featherweight action. Diego De La Hoya fighting Victor Morales. I'm aware of Diego De La Hoya, of course, I'm somewhat aware of Victor Morales. I haven't had a chance to see Morales fight too much. I know that De La Hoya has more experience than Morales. That's all I know. Uh, De La Hoya's had a rough time of it. I think he got pushed a little bit too soon. I think he banked off his last name. I think it's kind of caught up with him. I think he's a good kid. You know, he seems like he's got his head on his shoulders, and I think he's got a good future, and he seems like he's serious. Seems like he wants to do it. I'm just saying that I believe that his last name played a factor in what we saw of him in his last couple of fights just prior. One where he got knocked out short uh, and then one that went to a no contest. So, then, you know, DAZN's got a couple of fights this weekend. If you want to check those out, I do recommend you do. And again, there may be some lesser known fights I don't see on docket. Possibly Sky Sports is my guess if there is something there. Check those out and see what you think. Now, let's backtrack and let's talk a little bit about what's happened before. Of course, you saw Ryan Garcia forced to go no mas against Tank Davis. And people are like, he didn't quit. Everybody believes that he quit. Even Sean Porter first said he didn't quit. And then he went into a, a speech where he said, you know, he was afraid of what was going to happen. Well, that means he quit because he was not willing to face what was about to happen. That's a quit. He basically said, I'm not going to face that. It's a quit job. It's not that he quit because he was afraid of Tank necessarily, but he wasn't sure of himself. He wasn't confident in himself. Where I had an issue is, before the fight, Tank told this dude to his face, all you got is a hook, no fundamentals, no head movement. Joe Goose is sitting right there. So it's like, are, are we talking about a veteran trainer having his head so far up his ass that he didn't listen when Tank said, all you got is a hook, which means Tank saw that. Tank perceived that. If you go back and watch fight footage, that was always the truth. So why did you never work on it? And I don't want to belabor the point. I'm saying that I'm, I'm stunned that for whatever reason, Tank openly said, I see what your strategy is. You're just going to go for the hook. Ryan would come back and say, all I need is a hook. Already you're confirming what Tank said to be the truth, and then you go in there, and that's exactly what it is. He was headhunting, trying to get the hook all night long, just like was said. So then all these fighters are coming out saying, you can't do that against somebody like Tank. He's going to learn and pick, figure it out and take you out, and that's exactly what happened, just like has happened with Roley Romero, just like has happened with Leo Santa Cruz. So 
I guess I'm still kind of stunned that Tank told you to your face, I know what your strategy is. Ryan confirmed, yes, that's my strategy. That's all I need. How can you be so arrogant? And then Joe Guzan has gone completely missing. Nobody knows where the hell he is. Stunning, stunning. I, I don't know. After the mat, so the aftermath now, right? <laughs> and this is good. So what happens afterwards is Subiro Matias, who I did coverage on before, amazing blowout in his last victory. Subiro Matias comes out and he's very respectful, but he says, you know, I'd love to fight you and take you. Oh, and that's a good fight. We're talking 200, 140 pounds. So Tank has fought once at 140 pounds. I think he only fought one time. And I believe that was Mario Barrios. 140 pounds. So Tank has been at that weight before. I don't know if he want to go to that weight again, because he fought Ryan at a catch weight. I believe that was 136 or something. So maybe Tank doesn't want to go up, but that's a hell of a fight. If you can get Tank Davis and Matias in the ring, that's a hell of a fight. Matias brings a strong following. There's a lot of people that like this kid, including myself. So I think that's a good following. Is he mainstream? No. So then it's this question. And people on NSB and other places didn't get it, even though I was telling them for years. Leister here at CombatTalkRadio.net telling people for years. In the business of boxing, it's can you draw casuals to the sport? Can you draw casuals' asses into the seats? They're who matter. Ryan Garcia drew casuals. That's why the numbers came out recently, or at least rumored came out recently, that this Tank Garcia fight surpassed Mayweather Canelo, which was one of the highest drawing fights ever in Vegas. So if that's true, and let's let's be honest here, Tank didn't do that on his own. He certainly brought his following. I guarantee you at least 70% of who dialed in, dialed in because of Ryan Garcia. And that's because Ryan Garcia brought casuals to the, the game. Casual eyes. That's who it's who draws the money. It's not about skill. It's not about this guy. Eye test goes and blitzes and blow them out. That's why we have so many people with boots and they're not understanding. Boots doesn't draw. Crawford doesn't draw. The boring ass Frank Sanchez doesn't draw. It's not about boxing skill. It's about who draws casuals to the sport. That's where we are. That's where you're going to get the fights is who draws. So then there's all these excuses. Well, you're fighting somebody who's a bum or he's a scrub or he's a YouTuber or whatnot instead of fighting somebody who's a threat. If that threat can't draw flies to shit, they're not going to book the fights. And I need everybody, especially NSB, to understand that and why that's the truth. It's the truth because it's the truth. <laughs> so now let's back to Tank and Matias. Matias has never gotten, I did a coverage on YouTube. Matias has never gotten the level of mainstream coverage as many of his peers, because he doesn't, he's not out there like that. He doesn't speak English, so he's not out there like that. So they don't see promotional machine behind him. They just, it's not that they ignore him, but they're not putting the promotion machine like they do Tiafimo or Ryan Garcia. So what I'm saying is, if Matias had the platform, if he was promoted, heavily promoted like a Ryan Garcia, then yes, I think Tank would absolutely take that fight. Because number one, it's a test. Whereas it's been claimed he doesn't take tests, but he wants to make sure it's somebody who draws. He wants to make sure it's somebody who brings in money. He wants to make sure it's somebody who puts eyes on it because that increases Tank's exposure. If he's in there with somebody who can bring eyes to the sport, it puts eyes on him and raises his pedigree. That's what he, he knows the game. It's the business of boxing. So now, do I want to see Tank and Superdome with T's? Absolutely. Do I think it happens? No because Matias has never gotten the platform he deserves. And that's that's sad. It really is. Hopefully, hopefully, the powers that be realize a guy like Tiafimo 
who took an L to CM Punk Cambosis and then struggled with Sandor Martin. He don't deserve it. Okay, so then you got Devin Haney. Devin Haney struggling to make 135 every fight. He's probably about to lose the belts here soon. Maybe. Who else you got? Regis Progress is 140. Talking about 147. Josh Teller ducked Jack Catterall. He still got that problem over there. Okay. <laughs> you don't really have too much in the pot. So then who does Tank eventually fight? Right? Next. Who do, how, how do you go above what you just did? Because nobody's going to draw casual money greater than Ryan Garcia did. So if you can't find somebody who raises the bar, just tank back down and say, okay, let's just take somebody else or take a voluntary defense or something else in the interim while we get to somebody like a Shakur or something else. Shakur doesn't draw anywhere near what Garcia does. It's a good fight. These are good fights I described. The Matias fight is a good fight. Shakur is a good fight. But my point is, Tank is in a position now where he's likely going to be tempted to try to find somebody who can draw that money above at least at, if not above, Ryan Garcia. And I'm saying I don't think he'll find it. So all we can hope for is that he falls back and says, look, we're not going to find that. Let's just back down. Because at this point, pretty much the only person I can see Tank getting in there with, and it's going to have to be 140, that could draw anywhere close to what Ryan Garcia just did is Adrian Broner. But let's be honest, that fight's not going to happen because Tank's still with PBC. Adrian Broner burned bridges with PBC. Adrian Broner's with Don King. That fight's not going to happen unless Tank totally drops PVC. I don't see that happening. And then Broner, he's questionable at best, but he's the only one that has the name recognition at least somewhere close to Tank's weight class to move the needle. So Matias, I don't know, I don't think he's listening to me, but Matias would be a hell of a fight. I don't think it's going to happen. That's my point. I think Tiafimo is going to have everything he can handle with Josh Taylor. I don't think Tiafimo beats Josh Taylor. And I don't think much of Josh Taylor, but I'm saying I don't think Tiafimo is going to have much to handle. He's going to have everything he can handle against Josh Taylor, in my opinion. And I think Josh Taylor shouldn't have ducked Jack Catterall. I think it's sad. I think Sandor Martin is still, he's a problem for people, and they keep ducking him because they see he makes everybody look bad. <laughs> We've got an interesting set of weight classes, 130, 135, and 140. Very interesting. Meanwhile, 147 is pretty much dead at this point. Virgil Ortiz keeps getting sick. You know, hopefully he gets better, but he keeps getting sick. It's the truth. Boots doesn't seem like he wants to step up and fight. He wants to jump straight to the top dog without earning it. He hasn't fought anybody to earn it. Similar to the way Ryan, he hadn't fought anybody to really earn it. It's simply that, okay, I'll accept all terms from the A side, whatever it takes to get in the ring, then complains about the rehydration clause after he signed the contract, then gets knocked out for his troubles. Boots isn't going to go in there and accept all terms from the A side, so that's a problem. So I don't think he's going to be able to step up. And even if he does, who is there to fight? Stankonia, I know he's supposed to come back. We got to see what's going to happen there. Ugas is still in the mix. We got to see what's going to happen there. But 147 is kind of dead and dull. We don't know what's happening. We got Tim Zhu and Jamil Charlo. We got to see that one resolve and wrap up. Meanwhile, next weekend, I'll wrap up here. Next weekend, don't forget Canelo Alvarez is fighting John Ryder, the fight everybody's criticizing. Despite John Ryder actually having decent wins himself, it's not like he's a top-tier fighter, but he's certainly not a bum. He's highly rated by pretty much all the orgs. So blame the orgs if you want. Canelo is just fighting who he wants to fight when he wants to fight them. As an A-side player, that's what you get. You fight who you fight when you fight them. And when other fighters want to be that A-side, they got to earn it too. They got to step up and accept all terms, accept all terms. And some of these fighters just hold down a regular job while, to make some money and pay the bills while they work their way up to that A-side. Whatever they got to do to get there, just let you know. Canelo and Ryder's up there. Uh, Josh Watsey's making his return, so check that out as well. Kerbinov, he's making his return. 
we got some really good fights happening next weekend. It's just this weekend is kind of dry, but next weekend is all looking up. And then the week after that, Roley Romero makes his return. I'm excited to see him come back because I want to see him bounce back from that loss that he took. See if he's feeling okay because he took a, it was a pretty brutal knockout. And I want to see him uh, back in the mix and see if he's doing okay. Bader Akhmedov makes his return. Alan Conley, who at one point was expected to be the next big thing. He's still undefeated, but he didn't prove himself. He's coming back. A lot of good fights happening in May, folks. So stay tuned, dial in, and follow the ride. And let's see what happens with all these fights and see if any fights get booked that we're still waiting on that are still marinating in the pot. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at combattalkradio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific time zone. And then Lifeblood of Boxing series, which is our coverage of the boxers I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering. For Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments. And we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast, not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it. And I will see you guys next week.